0: Hello and welcome to At the Fifty Five, your home for OUA football. This is now episode nine of the off-season walkthrough tour. It took us to the University almost of there. Queens. We're almost there. Not, not even, not even a pandemic is going to slow us down. Uh, well, slow us down Man, a bit, but just, it's not going to stop us. Just like how I jinxed UFT week three into the bye, right? Anyways, oh my God. <laughs> um, we're at the University of Queens, uh, as we kind of joked about at the end of our last episode with Ottawa. Um. Following the Saturday we spent with Carlton Ottawa, we went to Kingston. We stayed the night with offensive line coach and uh, scouting coordinator. I, I believe that's his title, uh, Matt Nesbitt, my former teammate um, at the University of Guelph. He was gracious enough to let us, plus uh, Madison, uh, crash the night with him. And then Sunday we jumped right into the action with uh, – his boys, we spoke with Rashid Tucker, Anthony Federico, and Nicholas Pinard. So we'll hit the intro and then we'll get right into that stuff.
1: Nick Penard, offensive lineman, number 50 for Queen's University. Rashid Tucker, number one, running back, Queen's
2: University. Anthony Federico, number 99, defensive end, Queen's University. And you're listening to At the 55. At the 55. At the 55.
0: Okay, continuing with the off-season walkthrough tour, we are now at the University of Queens with a nice eclectic mix of players. We have Anthony Federico, Rashid Tucker, and Nick Penard. Thank you guys so much for joining us today, having us here in the uh, beautiful athletic facilities you guys have here. Um, so we'll start with uh, the way we do with every episode here. How's the off-season been going for you guys? It's been going good so
2: far. You know, we've been training a lot, getting ready for next year in preparation. Uh, we're looking forward to week one against McMaster right now, so we're working towards that right now.
3: Um, yeah, the off-season's been really good so far. Um, we've been training ever since about three weeks um, post-season. We got a little bit of time off to recover our, our bodies, and uh, we've been going pretty hard ever since. And uh, guys are improving. The young guys who weren't really on the field last year are starting to pick up the systems and stuff, and, and uh, we're feeling pretty good heading into spring camp. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, the uh, team's really been coming together nicely. Uh, a lot of the younger guys starting to get involved with the older guys and vice versa, and I've been really finding that just uh, the – the culture of hard work has been really being pushed to us, and it's been beneficial to all of us. So we got some
4: coaches here in the background, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, you know, after Laurier didn't make the playoffs, they kept practicing all the way to the Vanier. Is there a, is there a reason you guys didn't want to do that? You don't have to answer. You? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want me to? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys want a couple weeks off?
3: Yeah, so we, we practiced a little bit after. After our season was done, um, we went for about a week and a half to two weeks. And uh, then at that point, it was just kind of about making sure everybody was healthy as opposed to just practicing for the sake of practicing. Um, we were going to get that working in the off season, regardless. And at the time, guys just needed to recover. Um, so thought that was the most um, pressing
0: matter to take care of. Uh, so actually... Uh, Piggybacking off something you mentioned, Nick, about sort of the, the culture of, and of the hard work uh, here going on. You know, we're part of this uh, trip that we've been doing. We were staying with your offensive line coach, Matt Nesbitt, my former teammate, and he talked a lot about with the new staff this sort of that everyone's coming in and you know what this Queens culture is about. That everyone's going to bust their butt, and if you're not part of that, it's you're just not. It's not going to work out for you. Can you guys talk a little bit about the work you guys are doing and the culture you're building here at Queens?
1: So as an offensive lineman, like I'm just gonna speak on behalf of my my positional group. Um, we've been going hard. Like the positional group, the offensive line meets at six a.m. every day for lifts, and then after our lift is done, we do our own positional work. We make sure that each player holds each other accountable, and we make sure we do our own film where we we have our own positional group like um, group chat, and we make sure that we actually know everything's going on, all our checks, all that we need to go through. Uh, in terms of a team, it, it's just been making sure that. We're here on time all the time and we're we're present and fully minded. We're focusing on the little details as well as the big details. And also what I really found that's been a huge change is our coaching staff is super young and energetic. So when we have that that youth within at the top of our program trickling all the way down to the players, it just gives a whole better environment for everybody.
0: And so talking about the the staff being uh, a fairly young staff, Relatively young team, a lot of young starters as well, but of course mixing with a lot of veteran players. And I'll direct this more towards you, uh, Anthony, in terms of one player in particular that's uh, looking to get uh, go professional, and maybe not even just in Canada, but possibly even stateside. Uh, your defensive line partner, uh, Cam Lawson. What, what's it like playing next to him when you know that you're, you know, you and guys like Tyler Roy obviously are, are problems for teams, but the impact when you know that the other team's offensive line is probably prepping to really lock him down first and foremost and what that gives you the opportunity to then do.
2: Yeah it's awesome like having a guy like that playing uh, our nose is really important you know he takes on triple teams for us opening up for me and Tyler to get our sacks um we're gonna miss him a lot next year and uh he's gonna be a hard guy to replace.
0: So Moving over right now, uh Rashid the, f- the first game that Dakota and I got to see you guys play uh live was the game in Toronto which uh was an absolute well, a homecoming for you and a coming out party with a stellar performance and in a year that was somewhat marred with a few injuries um can you talk a little bit about what that felt like being able to be in your hometown and put up that type of performance and get the win as well
3: Um yeah it was it was pretty good I uh I came into the season with with uh, with an injury that I was kind of dealing with it's um, kind of fighting through training camp and stuff to to be healthy enough to play and then uh, missed the first two games like you mentioned there um, came back and, and was playing and kind of still like dealing with it and stuff and then um, that U of T game was like a big game for us we were coming off of our first win the week before against Windsor um, and we were looking to kind of just um, get the dice rolling like keep keep uh racking up some wins and try to push for uh for a uh, for playoff contention. Um and so we needed to win that game. It was back in Toronto. Um and I had a bunch of family and friends coming out to watch. So uh, it was nice. Um we had a pretty good game plan. We uh we, th- we executed really well. The offensive line was was blocking tremendously and we just kind of gaps were there and we just we were able to hit a couple Nice ones.
0: Well, you're good running back for giving the credit to the offensive <laughs> line, um, but in, in mentioning the offensive line, you know, we, we coming towards the end of our our, our tour here. We've, we've spoken to pretty much every team in the league and, you know, and we'll, we'll do the same with you kind of asking about your take on other teams, other players that you either like or dislike going up against for a number of reasons. Um, so, Mr. Pernard, you. Uh, your offensive line, and I'm going to look over to my, my friend Matt Nesbitt over there, seems to get a little flack for uh, maybe the, the way you guys play, a little maybe too aggressive at times. Uh, any comment on that? We had, uh, I think, some some Griffins maybe uh, weren't too happy with uh, the game you guys had against them. Um,
1: no, I just there's – there's a prevailing mentality, especially in younger football, that the offensive line is usually the nail and the defensive line's the hammer. And I – my personal belief that the offensive line is the hammer. We should be the aggressors, not the aggressed on, on in the trenches. And, okay, yeah, we're aggressive, but, like, come match us. That, that That's our mentality coming to every game is that we are the hammer, not the nail. So if we're coming in and we're essentially being told we're too aggressive, that's a, that's a good problem to have, essentially. So if, we're, if we have to be told to, like, pull back, that's a better problem to be told to go forward. So if they think it's are too aggressive, I'm okay with that. It's a good problem to have.
0: For sure, And that was a brilliant game. I mean, despite the loss, that was an incredible uh, matchup against Guelph. Um, I think the only other question from other schools that have come up in terms of sort of what's going on here at Queens is, well, well actually, no. We have one question from Dakota that you'll jump in about what a gale is. <laughs> yeah, what is a gale?
4: You guys know what a gale is?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a soldier in the Queens Army who is also Gaelic. Oh. One person
4: I should know. So it's not
1: a bird? I'm pretty sure it's a bird.
4: Pretty sure it's a bird.
1: That's a quail.
4: <laughs> also is a quail. Um, no, before we jump into other questions, uh, just speaking of, obviously, you know, maybe you're a, a slight dislike towards Guelph. Um, are there any teams, and we've had one that has reigned champions so far, that maybe uh, run their mouth a little too much? You don't have to name players, but, you know, maybe a, an offense or a defensive squad that likes to, to talk more than play?
1: I'm going to say York. Because I don't know why they're in my grill after I push you ten yards, but you're being man, it's that like GTA mentality. <laughs> it's, it's, just, Tron- it's just it's just all Toronto kids. I know. I, I'm sure you can relate. It's all Toronto, <laughs> Toronto kids. I'm just like I'm just sitting there like okay like I just put you on the ground. Why are you talking to me right now? Like I don't I don't get that. Like score check. Like you know it's it's not <laughs> that hard. <laughs>
2: Any anyone on the yeah for myself like honestly I don't really listen to them too much when I'm playing like uh, I don't find that a lot of old, old linemen talk a lot of shit when we're playing you know there's a little odd chirp there and there and here but uh, one thing I gotta say is Western very respectful for o linemen I don't find that they talk a lot of shit they play pretty good
4: I mean I couldn't see Dylan Giffen talking smack.
2: Dude, one of the nicest guys when you go to <laughs> I know, up I, know them? I know him personally. He's, just, yeah. he's a very, very like nice he guy. He blocks
4: you, and he'll just go, All right, good job. Good try. But I mean, like, if I was six foot seven, I don't think I'd be angered <laughs> yeah. at anyone. Surprising you guys didn't say Carlton. Carlton's been the, no, the no, number. I,
3: I didn't play for the Carlton game, so I don't have any um, first hand experience from this past year. But I know from the guys I talked to on the team, um, probably Laurie and Carlton would be like the resounding, like, Top two <laughs> options for the guys yeah, that just talked. I'm in calls. a
4: clean sweep so far, and yeah.
0: like they they were good about it when we brought it up. I think they were they they recognized that yeah they they do talk that smack, mm. and so you know at, at least they'll, they'll they'll take uh they'll take the uh the I guess compliment for them maybe. Um, I, I think the only other the other question we've gotten from other teams is, what's the Chag Gale payoff? Hash- you, you clearly go. know what I'm leaning towards here. <laughs> What's that? What is that? What's going on with that? Yeah,
3: I thought it was Cha Gale when I got here, too. Um, <laughs> no one corrected us, too. I asked that, and they're like, oh, yep. it wasn't I'm until like, Snyder All right. got here. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, it's pronounced k Um It's, like, from the... It means never surrender. It's, like, an old Queens University, like, motto, phrase that is kind of, like, in our old fight songs and stuff like that, dating back to, like, like war history and stuff like that. So
4: um you mentioned obviously that the only person to correct you was Schneid's. What was what was that like having him come down? Obviously, um he had a great uh little bit of a career there at Santa Facts and then went over to Western won the Vanier. What kind of, you know, mentality or or coaching strategy does he bring to Queens?
3: Yeah, Coach Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh He's he's the real deal. He's um he's a serious guy. He's super competitive, a bit of a freak, but um <laughs> he in a good uh, way. Coach in a good way. <laughs> he's 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 exactly what we needed. Um, coach Sheehan, I loved him. He was here my first year, recruiting me all through high school and stuff, and uh, I was happy to have the year with him. Um, and I thought he was a great coach, but the program was just kind of in a state um, where we were stagnant for a while. We were kind of like always middle of the pack for years. Um, And you just need someone to bring some like new life sometimes like every organization needs change at some point Right and Snyder just kind of came and invigorated the place. He came up with a bunch of he's a he's a big like sayings guy And acronyms came up like we have the ABCs now, um, which is just a standard protocol for all the guys to follow Um, always be on time Um, Communicate if you can't It was Beyond it? time All, beyond, what, It's always, always, be, on always time. be on time
1: I think it's be prepared Always show up, <laughs> it's always show up.
3: Okay we can cut that part out Yeah. <laughs> oh no we won't <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah I know Snyder, Snyder's been great um, He brought over with, with just his energy And, and his passion um, He brought over a lot of um, New systems for us offensively That uh, we're still working on polishing up But made a big impact for us this year um, I think if you look at our rushing attack from uh, I can only speak to the time I've been here, but last year in my first year, 2018 to um, this past season, we were like night and day. Um, probably rushed for like double the amount of yards, I think. Um, and and that was in completely due to the, the change in system. And it, it's been good. Um,
0: so in a, in a few of the answers uh, that you guys have talked about uh the sort of history and the legacy of, of Queens has kind of come up in, in a few different ways. For you guys, when going back to when you were getting recruited to come here and now having spent time here at the university, what, uh, how much does that play in for you guys, both sort of looking back to when you were being recruited and now being here of the legacy of you know, this incredible institution here?
1: Well, I wasn't like super highly recruited coming out of stage up, and I just when I got here and Coach Pat brought me in here and I, I started like seeing the legacy. Like I just remember like when I was like two thousand nine, starting out high school, the first university football game I watched in Canada was the Vanier Cup, Queens versus Calgary and they won it and it was it was kind of kinda of like a full circle thing for me when I got recruited, I was like, Oh my god, that's Pretty cool, and I got here, and I got I got to meet like some alumni. I got to meet some current players, and just right now, just being part of that legacy. Like I wear number 50 for Emilio Frometta. He was my first year, like a guy who just impacted me so large, like so immensely, that I, I just felt like I was being part of the Queen's legacy if I wore his number. Just, just being, just having that presence of people, just all behind you, supporting you all the way. Is like I feel is a big part of being at Queens.
2: Yeah I think it's really cool that when you come here on your recruiting visit you can really see how close the team is and I think as soon as you sign and you come here day one that effect doesn't go away you know the, the team is a close bond team we do everything together we go out together we hang out together you know that connection that you have with your brothers on the field it lasts for years
4: after you're done playing here. Um, since you didn't answer I'm just going to jump to you and ask you this more directly obviously um I don't know if you've been following this. I've have I have a little bit of beef with uh, Toronto programs York and U of T for I'll say the the inability to keep local talent. Um, so one, what was it like? Obviously, you know, you went to you were from Toronto. I went to UCC. Um, make Ajax. Ajax. I like okay. to claim Ajax, but I did go to high school. No, in no, no, you did not cla- <laughs> claim Ajax. <laughs> um, st- clo- close enough for for York <laughs> and U of um, So what attracted you to Queens, and then also maybe you know you can look right there that's greg marshall and warren craney let them know how they can do a better job of of keeping local talent in the city because obviously i feel like they're losing a lot of a lot of gta kids if you don't want to say that second part it's okay (laughs) um
3: yeah so for me i wouldn't say that it was really any lack of effort on their part i think i i knew um from like early on in high school that i didn't want to stay in the city for um, university. I wanted to go somewhere, um, and so like I just knew I wasn't going to go to U of T or York, regardless. But um, they also don't really have any, at least in my lifetime, <laughs> any success to kind of um, push me there. You know? Fair enough.
0: So one of the kind of alluded to this earlier. One of the questions that we've kind of been asking all the uh, all the guys uh, that uh, we've been interviewing are uh, just sort of your take on on other teams but more specifically maybe other players at your position or guys that you go up against that uh you kind of maybe respect just taking a look at the box scores or just you know kind of one player to another being like i oh, you know i'm competing with them but like you know end of the day like nod nod to them and what they're doing out there any guys around the league maybe that you played with growing up or anything like that that y- you enjoy sort of checking in with as the years go year goes on
2: yeah, I think, like, my biggest competition is against my own D-line partners. You know, me and Tyler Roy, we get at each other all the time, we try and get the best stats out of each another, each, each of us. Uh, one guy I looked up in my first year, too, was Carlton's uh, DN, uh, Kenny and Yucca. Right. Absolute animal. So uh, I kind of want to style my game as an athletic kind of guy like that. But for sure, with our D-line, like we try and keep each other uh, accountable and keep competing with each other. So, yeah.
0: How about for you, Nick? Uh, in
1: terms of centers in the league, it's it's really bad. I don't know their names, but the, the Laurier center actually I really like a lot. I, I find he's a pretty impressive player. Uh, also McMaster center, I actually like him a lot. In terms of defensive linemen, I being a guy from Champlain, there's so many guys that I know around the league. So I know the two Terrio brothers, one at Carlton, one at Western. Uh, Some Akinda is a guy I've always kind of check up on. I kind of respect his game a lot because he's you know kind of an undersized guy, but he has a relentless motor and he's crazy athletic. Uh, in terms of other players. I got to tip my hat off to Trayvon James and uh, Sam Chapong. They were great players I played against, and they always, you know, they, they iron sharpens iron, you know? So whatever mistakes I would made in that Laurier game, I made sure I corrected the week after and, you know, so on and so forth. So.
0: And how about for you, Rasheed?
3: Um, yeah, for me, just Nick bringing up that Laurier game. Um, I was thinking about Trayvon James and uh, Alfred Green. Again, they're both um, – from the ajax pickering area as well so they played dolphins um and they were they're like a couple of years older than me so um they actually played with my brother uh so like around the organization i was always little tuck um because i had two brothers that played before me and so my first two years here um every time i've been in the game against them they're like yelling at me like little tuck i'm coming for you and whatever but they're they're super aggressive guys super talented um and it's always uh gotta be ready to to take contact when you're going up against them um in terms of running backs around the league um another guy I know from back home Trey Humes is probably like one of the guys that I watched the most um of other guys this past season specifically uh Western's systems are pretty similar to ours so um there was a lot that I could take and and directly transfer to my game but he's a super elusive guy um super quick um he's Super competitive, and he—he's a real student of the game. I know he—he he studies his film really hard and stuff, like Cedric Joseph, Alex Taylor, all the other great Western backs that came before him. So, he's—he's um, he's kind of uh, a guy that I wanna—I wanna mold my game after as well.
0: So, sticking with Western. Um and you can obviously speak to this better than I can. Obviously, people know that Western Queens is this big historic rivalry. So maybe save for that game, are there is there another game in the upcoming season that, or just another team that, w- whether you're facing them in the regular season or just having the opportunity to go up against them, that you're really relishing the opportunity to play against?
2: Yeah, McMaster. Like I think it's gonna be amazing week one to go against the uh, reigning Yates champions. So I think that's gonna be an awesome sh- show for us to uh, show the OUA world what uh, Queens is all about.
1: I mean my eyes are focused on McMaster. So my goal this year was just to go one game at a time and first game is McMaster and I got to take it one week at a time until then, So just prepare to dominate McMaster and then after that prepare to dominate the next opponent.
3: Um yeah, for me like the only real big games that I'm I'm looking forward to is is just Western Mac Mac my first year we uh we had a, a close one with them late in the season that we lost. Um, and obviously, they won the, the Yates last year. So it would be nice to go up against them. And Western, I, I missed that game this past season. So um really excited to get the chance to play them again. I have a couple friends on the team and stuff. And uh, and they're always, it's just a classic rivalry. It's, they, they get pretty amped up to play us, and we get pretty amped up to play them. So it's always pretty intense.
4: Um, so yeah, you were mentioning, and Zach mentioned too, it is kind of a the classic rivalry. Um, And I guess there is the the storyline behind, obviously, Snatch was there for for a little bit. Do you still feel that those are kind of like that Western's your biggest rival, or is there someone else kind of now within the OUA that might be a little more of a, not a chippier game, but more of like a circle it on your calendar rivalry game? Because obviously Western Queens, it was big when both teams were at the top, and that's not a shot at you guys at all by any means, but is there someone else now that might be more of a rival?
1: Honestly, lately, I don't know why. It's funny that you mentioned up that guelph that's a line doesn't like us guelph has been a pretty chippy game in general so i mean i, I just know that from a fact that like, it's a pretty intense game every single time and we you know we're we're in the trenches battling a lot and i came out of that game i was like holy cow i don't feel good <laughs> i was just like i was bruised up i was scratched i you know couple uh a couple of scars on the knuckles after after you know snapping with no gloves like it kind of hurts and you know great core does not like me and it shows so yeah it was uh that's it's as much as a chip it's a chippy rivalry it's it's a fun environment to be part of you live for games like that right the the tight ones the ones where you go to overtime the ones where it's 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 a competition throughout you know so that's kind of noticing that guelph is pretty intense lately
3: um yeah ottawa for sure has been um a pretty big rivalry for us in in recent years we've it's kind of odd like i think within the past four or five years like we've often had similar records to them and won and lost to similar teams but for some reason like we we just we're not consistent enough throughout the course of the game to come up with the win against them recently and, and so that's been a big one um, and I know in my first two years here that's one that we've always been watching like man if we just had a couple of plays back you know
2: I mean for myself one of the biggest rivalries that we still have today is against U of T uh, the Queens UFT rivalry has been on for I think almost, what, about 100 years? Yeah, it's been going on for a long period of time, and we've been lucky enough to win a lot of the years in the in the past, so we just hope to keep going forward with that next season.
4: You guys traveled really well to that UFC game. There were a busload of seven-year-old dudes <laughs> who were maybe drinking a little too much soda pop, but you guys traveled really well to that game. I won't comment on me almost getting into it with one of them, but... <laughs>
0: So, taking a look at sort of, you know, this is a a very young team, but, you know, we're starting to, people are starting to know, like, who the the ballers are on Queens, who the guys are to to scout and look out for. But looking forward to either next year or maybe in the next coming years, are there any young guys on the team that, from just sort of, you know, not knowing Queens as in depth as you guys do, that other viewers of OUA football might not realize? Um, So, young guys that might have, like, a breakout season or that are going to really on the come up.
3: Um, yeah. One guy I would say for sure is uh, one of our offensive linemen, Ryan Berta. Um, he played a bit this year in his in his rookie year. He's a good guy. He's he's funny and he's he's good energy for the team. But he's also been working super hard this season, and he's got all the physical gifts to to be a real danger um, on the on that interior offensive line for us. So he'll he'll be a big name to watch in the future for sure. Uh,
4: um, just while I remember uh little talk. Uh, do you like clubs um <laughs> yeah uh
3: so i'm uh, involved with the club here on on campus i got involved within my first year as the first year representative um the queen's black academic society um so it's a club um primarily for black students on campus at queen's to just try to promote um kind of different equity and diversity issues that that arise um and then also just kind of give a space for um students who might feel kind of mar- marginalized on the campus to just kind of go and be free. We hold different events like discussions um, and, 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 and a big annual conference each year where we bring in uh, motivational speakers, um, professionals in different careers from law um, to like banking um, and, and and pretty much everything to give those students an opportunity to network, um, an opportunity to get a little bit of a leg up um, in a world and in an environment where naturally they um, they're, they're kind of starting from below.
0: I mean, that that's remarkable work to be able to do on top of the student athlete uh, life, which I mean, pretty much everyone in this room can attest to is a lot in its own. So, you know, remarkable that you can add that onto your workload. And Sorry, I,
3: I didn't mention exactly. So I was first year representative in my first year. This year I've been working as the head of finance for the club. So um, just kind of like overseeing um, what we pretty much can and can't do in terms of uh, money. Um someone's got to be there counting those <laughs> dollars right so
0: i mean just is a, clearly a testament to the caliber of young men that here at the university of queens they are developing and as well with anthony and, and nick uh you know incredible talent here that you guys have um so i don't know i think that's pretty much good for us so once again guys thank you so much for sitting down with us having here at the university and uh you know we're gonna be pulling for you next year and uh thanks guys yeah, thank it. you thank you once again that was rashid tucker Nicholas Penard and Anthony Federico, uh, three of the uh, you know big dogs on campus for the Queens football program. There, um, that was awesome speaking with them. Um, I know we have some of the video that will release uh, down the line, but uh, you know just because I know the podcast will come out first. You know we were in their athletic facility in the weight room, which is state of the art. I mean Queens has it going right now. I mean obviously the talents there. You know, everyone knows picking up Schneider, what a big thing that was for them. Watching those games last year, seeing how Rashid was doing, seeing, uh, you know, the promise at quarterback they're going to have, looking at that D-line, getting after quarterbacks all year long. And then, of course, as we were just saying, the facilities, this is a team that, you know, we've been talking about is one to look out for down the future. And and getting to talk to them really solidified that, I think. uh, You know,
4: I felt obviously weird being in Kingston. (laughs) <laughs> um, as, a, as a western man myself but, you didn't uh, catch
0: on fire that was good
4: <laughs> i mean i was expecting people to face me with pitchforks and stuff but i kept my western <laughs> my, my my western gear in my travel bag um i was a great great bunch of great bunch of guys uh up from the top down uh yeah oh i thought it was, it was a great time i mean it's hard to remember we we, we banged off you know so many interviews in the, in the course of eight hours. I know. But it was, it was great to sit down with them. I uh, we got a chance to sit down with some coaches. Um, obviously, what? you know, they're a little more media media trained than the guys. But it's I wish we had that opportunity with around the league, but maybe, you know, part two when we get back out on the road.
0: 100%. And, uh, you know, part of uh, some of the extra content, we uh, – uh, fuck it, I'm going to cut that out entirely because that might be out dead. Um, for sure, and as you were alluding to there, the two coaches that we had on – um, were Matt Nesbitt, as already mentioned in the intro, offensive line coach and uh and uh scouting coordinator, and Kwame Osi receiving coach? and Is it legend? Kwame Osi's a legend. Is it what's his other position? It's community coordinator, I believe. It, was it? Um, I don't know, just like just local legend. Local legend. Do you and do you want to say Not, any words about it or just,
4: just national legend.
0: leave it at legend? No, he's just,
4: just, just just a, just a great guy. I'm a, a. I sound like I'm fangirling right now. Just a great guy. Happy I got a chance to you know sit down and talk with him when the mics were off. Um, just just a, just a great guy overall. You know one of the one of those coaches you you know actually cares. And I'm For not sure. saying you know coaches don't care, but it's just it's just great to see coaches yeah. that actually you know. I will I'll cut down my swearing but I actually give a hoot about you know the players outside of you know outside of the field and outside
0: of the pass 100% and just the way that both he and Nesbitt communicate you know the type of the type of guys where you know you buy in, where they just have a way of uh that they both have just uh the, the charisma that, that, that as a as a young man you would buy into um and so uh yeah let's you know let's roll and you'll hear it firsthand here's Dakota and I speaking with Matt Nesbitt and Kwame Osi.
5: I am Kwame Ose, receiver coach for Queens and community engagement coordinator.
6: Coach Nez
0: from Queens University, recruiting coordinator and offensive line coach.
5: And you're listening to At 55. At the
6: 55.
0: Okay, continuing with our day here at the University of Queens, we are now sitting down with two of the coaches here on the offensive side of the ball. We got Matt Nesbitt and we have Coach Kwame Osi. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us, thanks for having us. Thank you. It's been a long time since I've seen you at my uh, (laughs) house three hours ago. So Thank you. Well, well, you guys obviously just saw us say now with a couple of your players, uh, you know, quite the testament to the culture you guys are developing here. Three. uh, And I'm not just saying it because they're still in the room through really, uh, you know, we know they're great uh, athletes, but three really intelligent, really well-rounded young men. So a big, uh, you know. You know, nat- uh, tip of the cap to you guys, what you're doing here. Um, I know we talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday about the culture with sort of some of the co- uh, new coaches and the new staff in here. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you guys have going on here at Queens about what you're building here?
6: Yeah, culturally, the big piece is just trying to make it super simple for our guys and to set that standard and like, have them know it, believe in it, and be able to teach it. Um, they communicated about it in the last segment about the ABCs. The ABCs are what we live by. It's all about reliability a stands for always show up b stands for be on time c stands for communicate if you can't do a or b so the big thing is it's super easy for our guys they are taught that they can go and preach that to the rest of the team and it's super important for us to have a simple standard for that where they they know it and they can kind of abide by that Um, and then the big piece right now culturally is just getting guys to work and grind and just be passionate about the process of football uh, whether it be recruiting them in, being passionate about the process, or driving our players to create that standard of what truly getting better looks like. And uh, through the vision of Coach Schneider, like we've taken a big chunk out of that this offseason, season. it's going pretty well so far. Yeah, so I'm, I'm one of the newest coaches uh, at Queens. I
5: came here in, in August. And uh, what I can say is from the on, onset, I, I saw a very diverse team, a team that, that was uh, – um, driven to be successful and the culture is infectious right now and that comes from Steve Snyder and I knew this would, would be the case because I've known Snyder for years and uh, it's, it's an exciting thing to see you know we're, we're, we're setting up our players for to be successful beyond the football, football field in life we're teaching them life skills and uh, we know they're going to pass on to the next generation so being a Queens football player is more than being a being a football player it's about being an ultimate human being so um, that's, that's, that's our culture right there you know, being successful in life, and and we know that's going to tra- translate to the, to the field.
0: And, and does that approach in terms of, and when we were at McMaster, um, uh, offensive lineman Jacob Zott talked about how they, they have a term there where it's not a, don't make a four-year plan, but a 40-year decision. Um, and so it, the sort of approach that you guys are taking, is that a, play a big part from the recruiting standpoint when you're going to bring kids in? And it's not just about, you're going to be a star football player, but you're actually going to have a future. You're going to be a graduate from the University of Queens, and that means something. How, how big is that playing with the recruiting?
6: Yeah, like obviously the big piece for us is we've branded our recruiting as well. Uh, a lot of people want to kind of get at us a little bit about it, but it's important because at this day and age, the people that are on social media, the recruits that the young men we're recruiting, um, they know our recruiting process because it's simply branded, and they know what type of person we want to bring in, And a big piece of that, obviously, here at Queen's is with the employment rate we have, with the kind of the stats that we hold of a university and academic institution, people come to Queen's to be employed. And obviously, it's a big piece for us. We preach that quite a bit, the 40- to 50-year decision. Uh, But for us, too, is like you come to Queen's for so many reasons football-wise. A lot of it also is paired with, obviously, the people in the program and the opportunity afterwards career-wise. But they they have to want it. So a big piece about our OKG, OKG for people out there that are, are learning it or wondering what it's about, it's our kind of guy and it's been branded. One of the three components to that is to be driven to graduate. So if they're not driven to get a Queen's degree, we don't want them here. Because they won't enjoy the locker room that we have, they won't enjoy the alumni base that we surround them with, they won't enjoy the Gales for Life opportunities that we give them to develop in more than just football. So the big piece is, yeah, we want to bring them in and give them all the opportunities that we can give them, but we also want to make sure they want it. And if they don't want it, it's okay. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's just not a good fit here at Queens. Uh, So it is a big piece of our recruiting process, but it's also a big piece about what we kind of showcase in our recruiting as well and have on our our roster as well too. Yeah, like um, we're we're not looking for –
5: how do I phrase this? A player's athletic ability is only a quarter of what we care about. You know, we, we were obviously looking for dogs, but we want, we want guys that, that can fit in with what we're doing. We want guys that are gonna be uh, engaged in the community. We, we, we want to see guys graduate. We want you to graduate because we know that that makes, first of all, you're gonna have a better life, and we know we were a positive influence in your life, and that makes our brand look even better. So we're looking for guys that are gonna carry the tradition forward. And at the end of the day, um, some some schools only care about you right now. They only care about what you can bring to the table right now. But we're thinking long term, like what you just said, a forty-year plan. I I mean I, I haven't heard much
4: about you know that from other schools. So I think that's great that you guys are caring more about students than just hey, what can you do whistle to whistle. Um, but you did mention that you do want dogs, and I just have to touch on this. How many times do you guys get messages or DMs from kids that are like, oh, I want my dog stamp. How do I get my dog stamp?
5: <laughs> Matt, so this, the dog stamp thing was new to me when I got here. And, and literally, um, after my announcement that I was at Queens, two weeks later, I had some kids messaging me, hey, coach, how do I get dog stamp? I'm
6: like, uh, Naz, <laughs>
5: can, 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 you, can, can you deal with this, please?
6: You got to talk um, to the big dog. Yeah, like, it's all about branding. It's another piece to it. The dog stamp is like a physical evaluation piece. And uh, I won't go into too much detail about what it's about and how you get evaluated, because that's, if you know, you know. If you don't, get about it. Uh, Yes, sir. But, uh, so, yeah, it's it's just a big piece of, of athletes knowing, like, they've gone from a prospect to a recruit in Queen's football. And if you're not a recruit in Queen's football, we're not actively recruiting you, and that's okay you know, but they know that the process has started and now it's laid out for them. It's mapped down. They know exactly what they have to do to navigate their route towards being committed to Queens and signing with Queens and inevitably.
0: So you obviously talk about the the culture that's being built here and the the, the culture that's sort of been laid down over, over the last few years. But and we talked to the, the players about this. Obviously, one of the interesting things with Queens is the tradition that you know goes back over a century, right? And so, uh, how big a piece is that in recruiting? Does that have a lot of pull with the kids? When you look at, you know, one of the oldest schools in North America, you know, does that is that a big part of it, or is it more just about sort of what's going on now?
6: It's definitely a piece of it. You know, there, there's people that are legacy uh, family members that have been through Queens. Their whole uh, family has gone through Queens, and that means a lot to them. Um, there's people that uh, kind of like the mystique of the tradition. Uh, when you look at the OEA, there's obviously older programs, um, but there is some throughout Canada that are original. Like the original three football programs were us, McGill, and U of T. You know, and that's a piece that we cherish and we use that quite a bit in recruiting because it's still prominent to this day. Uh, those other programs, I don't know if they do or do not, but I think the reason it's important at Queen's the tradition is because it's still prominent now, right? We still actively embrace that, uh, whether it be the uh, homecoming game with a ton of alumni coming back, Uh, but I think it's it kind of is attractive to some recruits for sure Um, our big thing is like we want to be a foundation built on tradition but we always are looking as a staff to be the most innovative staff in Canada right we're always going to like rely and have the framework of that tradition because that will never change a Queen's football but the innovation of always trying to be a couple steps ahead of looking through things a different route is what our goal always is so um, it's appealing but I think man kids love innovation kids love being different and that's a big piece we're striving for always too yeah like there's a certain
5: mystique about the tradition here you know some some recruits know about it and some don't but the ones that don't they get intrigued by it and we have a saying here that tradition never graduates you know so that's so the tradition is never going to leave us the tradition is the foundation of who we are and we're just going to keep evolving evolving with it and bringing it forward so um yeah um to answer your question, some kids are intrigued, some are some are not, but when they all know about it, it, it means more to them.
0: Do you find so when we were just in Ottawa, you know, we talked a little bit about being able to keep the guys in that area, in the sort of Ottawa area and sort of fringe into the Quebec area a little bit. Now with Kingston also somewhat a little away from the more Southern Ontario teams, you look at the Toronto teams, Waterloo, Laurier, Guelph, Matt. all those sort of schools that are are, are bunched together. Do you find there's any advantage being sort of away from that the same way that maybe, you know, theoretically Windsor might or the Ottawa teams where you kind of have your own, you know, area of players. I know you guys scout from all across the country, internationally as, as well, but do you find sort of being a little bit away from just a major bulk of the schools gives you any type of advantage at all there? I think the biggest advantage
6: it gives us is Queens is a uh, experienced school, and really when you look within like a two hour radius, you have Montreal, you have Ottawa, you have Toronto. Within that two hour radius, there's a lot of smaller towns, and what that creates is it creates Queens football being on kind of a pedestal where those surrounding towns don't have premier sports there, and Queens means something to them, and Queens football specifically means something to it resonates with them. Uh, so it builds a stronger community feel, but also the piece of when you come to Kingston and you come to Queens, you're not going out of city too often to go get your student experience. Everything is right here at Queens, really within a ten-minute walk. Uh, we hype it up all the time. The downtown is three minutes, or sorry, three blocks away from main campus. Uh, the student village, where all the student upper year students live, is literally a five to ten-minute walk from main campus. Uh, and then at the bottom of campus is the on-campus beach, right? The pier's right there, Downey Pier. And uh, there's a lot of unique pieces there um, for your student experience that not many places give um, that are offered here at Queen's and it's all right there. And then you now give the opportunity of a very tight-knit community because everything is that two-hour radius away. And uh, so I think that means something to us from the perspective of does it allow us to kind of isolate this area. It definitely helps us bring in those smaller uh, town kids. At the end of the day, Queens will always be a nationally recognized program and a national recruiting program. The Power Q holds weight throughout all of Canada for the academics. If you go to BC and someone sees the Power Q, they know it's Queens. So we will always be a national recruiting program. Uh, But those small little towns, yeah, it's big that we bring them in because a lot of those athletes grow up wanting to come to Queens because they see Queens as their team, because their smaller town doesn't have that team. I'm gonna speak from the perspective of someone like myself
5: from uh, inner city Toronto, and not knowing much about Queens during my recruiting, recruiting time. Because there, there are people that know a lot about Queens, and there's mm-hmm. also a bunch of people who are like me that don't know about, a lot about Queens. And what I can say is that, first of all, we're in a great situation in terms of being just only two and a half hours away from Toronto and Montreal, and, this place is a hidden gem, honestly. Like I tell everybody, I always used to just drive by Kingston to go to Montreal or go back to Toronto because I went to Vanier College in uh, Montreal for CJE, and it's a hidden gem. You know, it's it the the school is is uh, very very renowned. Um, the facilities are awesome. Look look, look at look at this. <laughs> look at this. This this is a this is a U Sports facility. This looks like a NCAA facility, right? Um, the, the, the beach on campus, uh, the social life here is amazing. The, the power of the queue is, is phenomenal. The power of the queue will get you into the job interview that, that you, you're, you're, you're um, striving to get. You know, So I'm always trying to preach to these kids about the opportunity here, and that's my goal, to present this opportunity to guys like me um, who might not know much about Queens. Because if I knew much about Queens when I was coming out and I had the grades to get here, um, I think I would be here. I
4: mean i i can't deny i have i have my bias but queens is it's the the city of kingston is great and, and the school is very welcoming for someone who went to western and i, sh- I should be hated here i we appreciate that <laughs> we really appreciate that um I, I do have a question for you though um and correct me if my history is wrong you went to saint effects right and, yes, I did. and you, you did you work with them a little bit afterwards with
5: um i coached uh, i coached at saint effects for one year while i was doing my education degree.
4: Yeah, and then, obviously, you had your, your time in, in the spotlight there with the amazing race. Yes, uh, what what brought you back to, to football
5: after that? So I've been coaching for the last seven years in, in Alberta. I was teaching I was teaching and coaching at a high school in, in Fort McMurray and coaching for Team Alberta U16. And uh, honestly, uh, first off, my, my wife got pregnant, where we got pregnant, and uh, we were expecting our son in uh, August. And I wanted to be closer to home, so I was thinking about finding a way close to home. And Snyder, who was my quarterback at university, who had great years with at St. FX, which I also also love, um, he gave me a call and asked me if I wanted to coach uh, U sports. I told him no. <laughs> <laughs> I told him no. Uh, just because uh, I had a really good situation there and I just didn't see myself as a university coach. And then the more I thought about it, uh, the more I was intrigued. And I just saw it as an opportunity to be closer to Toronto and for my wife to be in a comfortable situation. and it was the best decision i've ever made literally it was the best decision i've ever made because when i came here i saw what this place was you know because i had no idea of the the facilities and the culture like did you guys see our field no yeah well, you. You <laughs> I
4: i was there for your opening day when you guys okay, when you so guys played western you know you know what
5: i'm talking about yeah. um these kids are blessed like every day i walk by the field i'm just staring at the the, the stadium you know the colors are so vibrant it's just I could picture it being filled with with fans when we're winning and and just us us uh, carrying on the tradition and being uh, and having a legacy so um, what brought me back to football was honestly Snyder and I'm only here really and truly to tell you the truth because I trust Steve Snyder I know he's a winner everywhere he's won, he's won he's won in Germany he's won in Saint Effects he's won at Western for the last few years you know and and hey guess what last year they didn't win he wasn't there um, no <laughs> shots but um, well, Steve Snyder Steve Snyder is a winner, and I trust. I trust his vision. I trust his process, and I know it. Uh, we're gonna win at some point.
6: Preach that's The big thing I was gonna say at some point too. We're both here because of Coach Snyder, and uh, into the, the mic. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the big thing is that like, we're both here because of Coach Snyder, and like, there's one thing to take away is just like the quality of people that are are on the staff, and then in the locker room is just trying to bring in a bunch of people that are passionate and caring, and uh, we've created like a very unique staff where. Uh, we love what we're doing. We love being around each other and we love kind of the mission that we have right now and chipping away at it and uh, Coach Snyder, Steve Snyder has created that and uh, it's really fun being a part of it.
4: And so this will probably be my only non-football related question um, just because I'm not going to talk shit during this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the the amazing race like? Just, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, have to, <laughs> I have to ask it. And, and do, I, do I, any of the players kind of like razz you a little bit about that?
5: Um, well, first of all, just, to answer your question, I get asked that all the time. It was as cliche as it sounds, it was amazing. It was amazing to be able to travel this this, this, this country, go to places that I never would have went. I'm a kid from Rexdale. I don't know if you know where Rexdale is. It's, yeah. it's in the West End of Toronto, and part, like going to St effects was great for me. That was out of my comfort zone. That was something totally new. Go to Fort McMurray was great for me. But being able to travel this wonderful country and see all the great cities. I went to uh, Dawson City, Yukon, a place I never in my life would have thought I would have been, but I loved it and got to know more about the rich history of this country and then going to Indonesia and Mexico. So it was a it was a great opportunity and uh, a great way to just uh, be exposed to more of this country and this world. And, and about the kids. Um, some of them are diehard Amazing uh, uh, Race fans. And you know they ask me questions here and there. And, and there's some that don't know much about it. And just ask me questions about the show, what it was about. And I always just tell them a little bit. And I just tell them to go watch it. Don't ask me how I did Go watch the show. Fair enough.
0: So you talked about the power queue and the impact that holds for not only uh, players coming in, but as well for the players leaving this institution, being able to get jobs and being able to have a life outside of football, as well as the culture that you're building in. But when we were talking with your players, uh, Rashid Tucker talked about the work that he's doing, um, working with one of the clubs on campus, trying to help out, you know, uh, marginalized uh, students here at the university. How how impactful is that? Knowing that these young men that you have here at you, you know, for playing for Queens are you know, on top of the student athlete life, the workload that you guys put on them, that on top of all that, they're still trying to make an impact in their community and the communities around them.
5: Honestly, like, so what Rasheed was telling you about, um, I was actually there yesterday at the the conference they had, and I was a keynote speech uh, speaker there. And I, it literally brought tears to my eyes to see the work that he is doing outside of football. Uh, just because like what you just said like being a youth sports athlete is not easy it's one of the most difficult things to do you know to go to practice to have to deal with school some guys have a part- time job to train be exhausted and to, to study and do it day in and day out that's exhausting, right it's not easy and to see him devote his time to uh to his uh his his um Ethnicity and making sure that people have uh, e- equality with within this 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 uh, this university is, is powerful and and he's not the only one we have uh, Josh Mosley who's working uh, with, um, with the autism, autism. what's what's the, what's the program called autism program, program. but that's he he works with autistic kids and that's the reason why he's not even here today he's with his buddy but those are the type of players we have. And I'm also the community engagement coordinator. So every week we go to a school and we talk about growth mindset and we're, we're really trying to uh, plant seeds of greatness in every individual we meet. So um, I'm truly blessed to be here and to be around these type of the type of students and student athletes. It's, a, it's an amazing feat. And we're hoping to bring in more guys like that
6: and just to carry the tradition forward. Yeah, um, the only thing I'd say on it is like it is important that our guys are active in more than just football. Uh, the big thing that we, we say here as a staff is like, we all love football, coaches, players included, but football doesn't always love you back. And when football doesn't love you back, you have to have different avenues to put your time and energy in so that just mentally it doesn't drain on you too much. And that's a big piece that we look at, we evaluate when we bring recruits in. And our guys are amazing with here because they have so many aspirations after football, they are driven in different avenues, whether it be community involvement, whether it be uh, just charity work that they do as well, um, but it's something that we preach as well. It's like we want our athletes doing that because there's going to be tough times in football. Adversity will always hit, and when that happens, it's nice to have your kind of like hand in a couple of different pots so you can just work towards different avenues to kind of de-stress a little bit before you jump back into football. So
4: I, I think that's really important, and something we talked about with uh, Chris Hosi at Windsor. Football does obviously end, so I think the more stuff you can get into and be a part of you know the more well-rounded you can be as a as a young man or a young human whoever yeah. whoever may be participating it's it's important because yeah football ends whether it's halfway through a season or in the pros or after university you know all, all of this will eventually end unless yeah. you're obviously
6: lucky enough to come back and, and give back to the yeah. the kids and that's the crazy thing here is like I've noticed that where we talk so the goal is and like it's hard to define it sometimes but really the goal is to set our guys up for leaving football before they have to leave football. That's, like, the goal. And as someone that went through it, and obviously we were teammates, like, yeah, if you're not ready for it, it smacks you in the face. And you're like, whoa, what am I doing? Luckily, I'm doing football. So I didn't really, like, transition too much. But um, that's one piece that, like, we want to make sure we're preparing our players for. And I think that's, like, a very easy way to define it. Is just to be ready to leave football before you have to leave football.
5: Yeah. Uh, first off, shout out to Chris Osakusi. That's my that's my dude.
6: Um,
5: <laughs> and he, and I'm very proud of what he what he's doing. But just to go along with what you said, like if you really think about it, and I, and I'm 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 saying this to all the players right now watching. Out of everybody you've ever played football with, that you've grown up playing football with, literally one percent make it to the pros. One percent make it to the pros, and after that, you're lucky if you get th- three years. In the CFL, you were lucky, and then to make it ten years and get your pension, I don't know many dudes that get that. Of everybody I know that plays in the CFL, only one of my friends has gotten to, to to that point. So, it, when when everybody wants to put their, all their baskets in football, oh, I'm going to make go pro, I want to be a star. Think think after that, because football is a young man's game. Your body's not going to last forever, right? And I'm always preaching to get kids to position themselves for success after football. So. Have a long-term plan, and really evaluate what you want to do beyond football. Because football is not everything, but football is a valuable experience. Football will position you for the the career that you aspire to be in.
4: Yeah, a lot of a lot of guys that we've sat down with have said like. Uh, use football don't let football use you
0: facts I can't imagine ending us on any better of a note and obviously in the midst of recruiting season I know that both of you are probably you know packed uh you know beyond belief in just your day-to-day responsibility so and I know we want to do a little fun video with you um so thank I thank the both of you uh on behalf of me and Dakota for sitting down with us and talking a little bit about Queens football here um best of luck to you guys moving forward next season
5: Thanks for having us. It's truly an honor and a blessing.
6: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: So once again, that was Kwame Osi and Matt Nesbitt, two of the coaches at the University of Queens, and, uh, you know, really drove home the professionalism, the sense of professionalism that we got, or at least I got speaking with the players. You can really tell speaking with Matt and Kwame that, you know, it's a top-down, and obviously, you know, with Schneider there. ABCs, baby, ABCs. That, that's what it's all about. Um, yeah, that was that was wicked. Uh, it was really cool talking about sort of the culture they're they're building there, and, and uh, you know, just really drives home everything we've been saying about the direction this team's going.
4: No, I definitely agree, and you know, they, they seem to have their their stuff together and have a a nice plan. The one thing I've noticed, obviously, this is episode what nine, episode nine yeah. out of eleven uh, schools. Is that every school? <laughs> kind of thinks they got a plan and uh <laughs> they you know they they have they have their uh, their policies and procedures and how they run things and they have you know their culture and yeah queens seems like they have a great culture there um i mean only one team can win so it's it's tough to tell and it's it's yeah it's, it's tough to come out of those interviews and not be like oh man yeah they're gonna do they're gonna do amazing things that's why i always say i'm cheering
0: for the best for them because i it gets no, me excited. I, get, I get it. I get.
4: I just like making fun of you for it, but no, I think you know they do. They have a great culture there, and it's tough not to come out of those interviews and be like, "Oh man, yeah, you know, those guys are going to win for sure." But I mean, there's a, there's eleven teams in the OUA, and only one team can come out on top. So you know, it is what it is. What it is. I I think we will do great things in the
0: coming years. We just got to wait and see. And Nesbitt giving us the little tour around the university and showing us where that the pavilion's going to go in much like the Guelph had. So, I mean, you know, we got to see some of the facilities, but just projecting into the future. Oh man. Like Queens, Queens looks like what a did good th- spot. What do you think
4: about the, like their, they're like their hologram chamber. Like their, their what'd you think of that? Are we not allowed to talk about that on? Oh, uh,
0: you know what? We'll have to we'll have to double check that one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're, just, we're, just, we're not talking about that. <laughs> they they're just they're literally light years ahead of the competition. Right? Yeah, the, the Golden State Warriors of 2014. Um, <laughs> but no, that was that was a good time. And uh, yeah, I uh, as I, I I can't I don't think I became as big a fan of Kwame as you are. But I definitely grew some of that fandom that you know you just talked watch the about. Tape, man. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. Well, you know, just as far as just being just a stand up dude, he, uh, you know, hits all the marks. So, you know, once again, that was Matt Nesbitt and Kwame Osi speaking with Dakota and I. Uh, and of course, the interview you heard earlier was um, Nicholas Pinard running back, Rashid Tucker, and Anthony Federico defensive end there for the Queens Golden Gales. So that wraps up the Queens episode for us. Uh, any last words, Dakota? Best of luck to them. But, you know, only one team comes out on top. You know, happy they didn't save any or bust for the first time in a while. That's a good point. Um, so we will be here next week talking to you at the 55.